You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome to our show Sarah Berghauser, a queer Jewish single mum, writer, teacher, lactation counselor, and East Coast native living in Santa Fe. Sarah, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great having you here. So let, let's start with how have you made a place for yourself in these two seemingly seemingly disparate communities of the queer community and the Jewish community. How have you found yourself in those communities? It's taken a long time, um, and my journey has been slow and not straightforward. Um, I think that experimenting with the types of communities that feel like home to me, this concept of home has been really important in that exploration. Um, the community that I grew up in, I had a hard time sort of feeling at home, even though it still very much feels like home. Um, just feeling comfortable in my own skin, um, feeling comfortable expressing myself. And when I find places like that, I really, I really cling to them. And I um, get, a lot of that, get a lot out of those places um, spiritually, socially, intellectually, all sorts of ways. Um, and so I think that, um, yeah, finding those places that really feed me in those ways has been really important. And when you talk about the importance of home and you, mm. and you shared about expressing yourself, what does that mean for you in terms of expressing your true self, who you are? Well, it's different in the queer Jew in the queer community, and then in the Jewish community. So, in in the in I grew up in an Orthodox um, Jewish community, um, modern Orthodox um, in New Jersey, and um, in that community, there was um, there was a pretty um, a pretty straightforward education about um, uh, about the expectations um, about who I was going to become and how I was going to act and how I was going to dress and um, that felt like home, and it also felt quite itchy to mm. me growing up. And um, I always had a sense that I was different growing up in that community. I didn't know quite how until a bit later. But once I did figure out how, and it wasn't just one way, it wasn't just being queer, mm -hmm. um, being a woman, being a girl in a lot of ways also made me feel different in that community because it was, it was quite male-dominated in many ways. Once I did figure out how I was different, then um, it, it became I – had a, I had a moment where I, I thought the decision was, am I going to stay here at home or am I going to go elsewhere? And that, that decision – seemed really um, present and big and um, very consequential in so many ways. Um, and I subsequently realized that I don't have to choose and that home is 
quite a more expansive idea and feeling than I had previously thought, than I was brought up with, that concept of home. It, it, I, I love the way you, you've described that. Thank you. I, I'm particularly interested when you said it felt itchy. Mm. What does that mean to you? Because I, I suspect there are a number of people who are listening who may also feel the same way. What what did that feel like to you? What What was behind that? Yeah, I mean, the itchiness in the Orthodox Jewish community came from, I think, just... Um, I mean, there was a there was a physical, actual physical <laughs> itchiness in some cases, um, just in terms of you know what I was wearing, what I was um, supposed to wear, and how comfortable or not I felt in certain clothing, and you know, in in long skirts or tights or whatever it was that I was you know that I was wearing at the time, um, and um, the way I. Uh, the way I was taught to comport myself, mm -hmm. like really physically, there was a physical way I was supposed to carry myself. And so there was itchiness there, just a discomfort um, in my body and in my skin. Um, and then there was a kind of spiritual itchiness, too, mm -hmm. in that context where um, I was getting so much spiritually out of many elements of my community and... I felt opportunities, or I felt not opportunities. There was a lack of opportunity, in fact. But um, I felt uh, I felt moved to expand in in that in those spiritual moments. And there wasn't space as a girl, uh -huh. um, for instance. Singing is really one of my absolute very favorite parts of um, Jewish experience. It's one of um, the big ways that I connect with my, with my home, mm -hmm. my ancestry, my upbringing, my spiritual self. Um, and singing at the time for girls was just not a thing. Right. You weren't really allowed to be heard. I could sing, but it had to be in a certain way, in a certain context, at a certain volume and such. Um, so, yeah, a lot of I think a lot of like my queer experience also is very rooted in um, just the feeling of being a girl I, in and, that community. It's fascinating what you're talking about, this concept of kol isha, mm -hmm. the voice of the woman. Right. That uh, in Orthodox Judaism, um, a man shouldn't hear a woman singing lest it lead him to particular kind of immodest thoughts and you know, the reform response, my response is it's up to him to learn how to control himself sure. as opposed right. to making sure that women don't sing in public. And that's, of course, why in the reform community we have everyone who joins in with singing and make a lovely harmony. Um, but it's interesting for you to have that itchiness from from that and, and similar things, I guess. Mm -hmm. So let me ask your coming out story, this this journey, this development. What what was what's your story? My coming out story. Um my coming out story is quite Jewish. I think that um, this is this is right a, a quintessentially queer question. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's your coming out story? Everyone has a coming out story. Mine is um, very based in Jewish context. Um, I was um, I was at college. I was um, a sophomore in college, and. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this documentary that came out many years ago called Trembling Before God. Yeah. 
you are. It's a Sandy Dubowski joint. Right. Yeah. So um, that film had just come out and it was touring um, colleges and Jewish communities and queer communities. And it was slated to come to my small liberal arts uh, college. Mm -hmm. And um, the director of the Hillel at the time, I was not out to my family, um, but the director of the Hillel there, she knew me and she knew the context that I grew up in and she knew that I was queer. Um, and so the film was slated to come to the school and uh, they were having a panel discussion after showing the film and they had, you know, a number of, you know, different people on the panel and they really needed a young lesbian Jewish, you know, from an Orthodox community, like really exact. She was like, well, you feel you fit the bill, right? you know, you're kind of the only, you're the only person of that kind wow. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> um, and here you are at our school and we want you to be on the panel. And I was, you know, 1920, you know, 19, I guess. I don't know. And um, so she asked me to be on this panel and I was terrified mm -hmm. and so interested in doing this panel. Um, and because the Jewish community, especially um, on the East Coast, is so small, there, were, there was a lot of overlap between um, the community that I grew up in um, and the Jewish community in the place where I was at college. And I knew that there, I knew that if I did this panel, that it would be equivalent to coming out right. to literally everybody I right. knew and grew up with. Um, and I, uh, I didn't do it. I said, I can't, I can't do it because I don't want to come out like that. And uh. I felt that it would have been unfair to my family for me to do that panel as much as I wanted to. Um, but I did take it as a sign that it was time for me to come out to my family. Wow. And so what I did was because of, uh, because of various circumstances, um, it had to be on a particular weekend that I was going to go come out to my family. Um, it was about an hour and a half drive where I was from where I grew up. And um, like I said, because of timing and circumstance, it had to be on a Friday night. Oh, right, on Shabbat. On Shabbat. And that Friday night was the very first time ever that I drove on Shabbat. Wow. Was to drive from my college to my home to come out to my mom. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, those are the circumstances around my coming out. Yeah, it was it was a really big moment. It was a really big moment. I, I, really, I really appreciate you sharing that narrative. I, I sharing your personal story and, and adding in particular that sort of external pressure and you deciding, no, this needs to be me in my way. And I, mm -hmm. it's, it's a really personal, really touching story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. We need to take a little bit of a break. Okay. Um, but um, so we're going to take a pause. Uh, you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich. My guest this evening uh, is Sarah Berghauser, a queer Jewish single mum uh, from the East Coast living in Santa Fe. And we're going to uh, come back afterwards after the break to talk about the, being Jewish and the queer experience and how they meet. So we'll be back after this break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe. My guest this evening is Sarah Berghauser, a queer Jewish single mom, writer, teacher, lactation counselor, and East Coast native. 
living in Santa Fe. Before our break, you shared your very personal coming out story and and that journey to that point. Let's ask: since then, how has your experience of of being Jewish changed your queer experience? How has your experience of being queer changed your Jewish experience? How have they influenced each other? I've come to I've come to realize that they both enhance each other quite a bit. Um, and that I am, I am a, I'm a more fulfilled and engaged Jew because of my queerness, because it's necessary, is necessary to engage with both of those parts of myself and really contend with that and my upbringing in order to stay a practicing Jewish person, um, and the same way that I don't have a choice about being queer, I also don't have a choice about being Jewish. It, they're as much a part of me as anything else as being a woman, being a human, whatever. Um, and so I think that, you know, folks who, um, folks who are different from the context in which they grew up, you know, from their context of origin, they tend to have, they have perspective that people who are considered, you know, like more part of, and of course, like we, the more we get to know people, the more we realize that really everyone has something that makes them different right, or, right. you know, people have, you know, thoughts that they think are strange or uncommon and we all have those things. And so we're, we're all in that together and we should really try to remember that, I think. But I think, you know, specifically people who are socially ostracized have this, um, they necessarily, because of their position in the community, mm. have perspective because they're back here and up here, right, kind of pulled away right. um, from the center of the community, right? And so I think that having that perspective as uh, as a queer person on the Jewish community and the Jewish experience, my you know, my personal experience and being able to see it with that kind of perspective and, you know, kind of um with a with a step back, that's really helped me. Um, it's really helped me grow spiritually and helped me grow and figure out what I want out of Jewish community. I'm I'm fascinated by this because there are so many people I think who believe that um, that they have to make a choice. Right. Um, that being queer means that you can't be religious. Right. Um, but you're talking when you said you know helps you become a more fulfilled and engaged Jew. Mm -hmm. um, can you can you talk a little bit more about that? About almost like why you don't have to make a choice. Why mm -hmm. you feel it enhances. Um, your religious practice? Right. It's such a great question. And I think that it has, um, it has, it has to do with just sort of the personal journey that I've been on just in becoming a better human, just like a better person, a better parent, a better adult, um, more grounded in myself. And what I've come to realize um, is that I have a right, I have a right to be part of Jewish community. Mm -hmm. I have a right to claim that. I have a right to engage with it. I have a right to engage with the people around me um, Jewishly. Um, and no one can take that away from me. It's, um, it's really, it's, 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 my, it's my place as much as it is anybody's. 
I, I think it's really important when you say no one can take that away from me because that really <laughs> is where that voice, that negative voice is coming from. And we see this a lot, especially in this country now and the media, yeah. people shutting down, saying this is not what God wants. This is, but it's, it's that no one, it's the people who are adding this voice who are adding their interpretation, who are limiting as opposed to something larger, perhaps. Yeah. I think it's really, for me, it's really interesting to hear you say no one can take that right. from me because because that's really the the, the challenge, isn't it? That, that there are some voices, or at least one of the challenges, that there are some voices that say this, this may be your right, but not this way. And you're saying, no, it's my right to do it my way. Right. And also, you know, there is an element, I won't say it's like so straightforward, just in the sense of like, you know, no one can take this away from me. And I have, um, I have, I have access to this thing. And um, it's mine. Um, but also, I mean, I grew up in a context, you know, we're halachic Jews, we, you know, we followed, you know, halacha. And of course, right, like, there's interpretation involved in following halacha. But um, it was something that my community really valued. And so the thing that I was contending with was not my, my, um, my insistence <laughs> that I have a right to this spiritual Jewish context, but I was really contending, um, I was contending with halacha and also contending with what um, the interpretations of the, you know, the halacha is, the the law, right, right. the Jewish law. Um, and so there is that element, um, and I think, you know, it, it, it becomes a little more more complicated, right? You're talking about like translation and interpretation. Right, is right. it different for men or is it different for women? And right, there are lots of things to be to be said about that. Lots of things that have been said about that, um, about what the actual rules are. Right. Um, but um, really, at its core, at its base, um, my engagement with Jewish thought um, is valuable. Right. Not just to me, but to larger community. And I can really see a change in larger Jewish community, too, even in Orthodox communities, mm -hmm. the communities I grew up in. They're really changing. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I guess that leads to the, like, what is that changing landscape of the Jewish media, Jewish conversation? What, where is this going now? And mm. is it going in the direction that you would hope it would go? It really is. I think that people are engaging in um, in in ways that they feel more complicated, which is great. Mm -hmm. More complicated is better, I think. <laughs> Go on, tell us why. I think that's really important, especially nowadays when people are trying to simplify everything. Why is more complicated important? Well, I mean, for, you know, the it's... You know, the, the old adage, right? You have 50 Jews and like 50 opinions or right. whatever, right? Um, and uh, I think that, you know, I mean, Judaism itself has, you know, a rich history of conversation. And that's really like, you know, of wrestling. And that's how we, that's how we get better is we wrestle right. and we encounter a challenge, right? This is not just in Judaism. This is in life. Is, right. This is how we grow. Um, is by struggling um, and challenging, challenging the challenging conversations that are happening happening now. These more complex conversations around um, 
sexuality and gender and and these kinds of things in the Orthodox community are really fruitful. And in some ways, I feel I feel so proud of us. <laughs> I really do. I feel I feel proud of myself personally in 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 my journey and you know my continued um, my continued uh, thinking about these things. Um, and then I feel I feel proud of my my family personally. I feel proud of the the Orthodox community at large. Like. There's a number of, of of podcasts and speakers, and I think like the youth group I grew up in has really come a long way. And like there's there's a lot of media out there. I think you know, I think that yeah, access to social media things have you know mm. expanded, and um, yeah, there's just more engagement, and it helps us all get better. I, I think it's fascinating and feel more connected, right? Right. right. I think it's fascinating adding that social media angle because by the sounds of it, what you were talking about was this sort of received tradition mm. at the beginning. This is what I had to do. I had to fit in a certain way. I had to behave a certain way. And you were talking about halakha, about Jewish law, which for some people is very much the received tradition of, you know, it goes from God to Moses to uh, all the way down uh, to, to the rabbis. And they say, this is how you behave. But that's not really as far as I read it, how Jewish law develops. It's much more about how we, as you, as you said, wrestle with it and, mm -hmm. and struggle with it. And, and that's what makes us grow. So I think what's fascinating is the positive influence of social media. And then we can talk, <laughs> I've talked in other shows about the negative influence, but the positive influence is to say, but this group of people have received it this way, or this Jew here has received it this way. And we can actually, there isn't just one received tradition and that we can engage and learn and struggle from a variety of 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 ways of being jewish i think right. i think it's really interesting that you bring that out i think it's also you know this type of conversation is really uncomfortable for everyone which is why i feel so proud of us is because it's so uncomfortable um it's uncomfortable to me for me as a queer jew a queer orthodox jew right. to um to you know uh have conversations or witness conversations with folks who are still, um, you know, uh, dealing with halacha in a way um, that might still put me on the outside, right? right? right. Um, and also, because of my context, I really embrace, I really embrace folks who are willing to go there Right. And I think that the discomfort um, and it's uncomfortable for them, too. Right. Okay. Um, to even say some of these words out loud, to even say queer or gay out loud is it's hard to admit that these, you know, these things are happening in our community, that there are queer people who are part of our community. It's not a thing that's happening outside. Right. Um, and I think that like, you know, some of, you know, for instance, like some of the podcasts that I that that are out there now, like that, uh, you know, Orthodox, you know, have kind of an Orthodox perspective and they're dealing with all sorts of issues that I was really interested in growing it's, up. Right. right? Not right. just about sexuality and, you know, gender and things like that, but, you know, just about um, spiritual life in general. They're dealing with these topics in a way that I really wish that I had heard more growing up. Let me ask, we've only got about three minutes sure. left, but and this may be a larger question. Yeah. Since you're talking about discomfort, uh -huh. um, some people in uh, some people who are gay have a I find the word queer uh -huh. uncomfortable. 
Um, and there seems to be a generational thing in that, maybe from my external perspective, viewership of that. In three minutes, can you just talk a very little about what it means to to use the word queer as a positive identifier? Yeah, I you're right. It is a generational thing. Um, and um, I think it's also like a geographical thing that also plays a role in some ways. Um, but I, because I'm a writer, I really love language. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of love all words. And all words have their place and their use. Um, and I like the idea of having more language, more complexity. And if there's discomfort around certain words, it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for intergenerational dialogue. And that's important in the queer community as well as the Jewish community right. to talk about these things, intergenerational, you know, intergenerational interaction and experience is so much a part of Jewish community. Right. Kind of wish it was more a part of queer community too. Interesting. Um, but or that we leaned into it a little bit more, you know, um, learning from our elders and really, um, really creating something together that has like longevity in that way. Um, I love the word queer, um, but I can also understand why you know folks would, you know, um, recoil a bit. This has been absolutely fascinating. I really. And and I mean that not from an intellectual perspective, a personal perspective. I really appreciate you coming here and sharing your journey and 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 sharing of yourself. I really do. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. So thank you to Sarah Berghauser, um, a queer, orthodox, Jewish, single mum, writer, teacher, lactation counsellor. Uh, thank you to you for, for coming on to our show. I do hope that you'll be able to come back and we can talk more. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.